You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded in many places across the world. In Australia, it's recorded on the lands of the Wadawurrung, Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures and the hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. We also pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Welcome, Molly, to the Lead to Soar podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Mel, I am so excited to be here. I adore your podcast. I feel like I get so much out of it, even though I don't work in corporate, so I'm probably not the perfectly intended audience. Just love your episodes. I love when you do the short ones with the hot tips. Just really excited to be here today. Thank you for having me on. Of course. It's our pleasure. Okay. So for our listeners who are not yet familiar with you, could you give them a quick overview, the Molly Beck highlights reel? Well, I was born. No, I'm just kidding. So my name is Molly Beck. I live in Orlando, Florida, right outside of Disney. Most magical place on earth if anyone's ever visiting. I spend my days running Messy FM. We're a B2B internal podcasting platform for companies to use podcasts to talk to their employees. And I also wrote the networking guidebook, Reach Out, which is a book that encourages readers to send one reach out every day to someone on the edge of their network to grow their community. And that's how I first came to know you through the book. It was recommended by some people in my mastermind. And so I want to say that I'd describe it as the most tactical guide for jumpstarting networking. So share with us a little bit more about the origins of Reach Out and how it came to be. I just want to say I'm so happy that you described it as super tactical. That's always my goal with everything. I don't really like it when people talk super abstract, like, show me the templates, give me the tips, give me the steps to follow. And I try to share that with my readers that are leaders. As you know, there's lots of templates in the book, things you can just take from it. Let me tell you about the origin of the book though. Sail back in time with me. It is 2012. Honey Badger is all over YouTube. LMFAO was on the radio. And then there's me. I am living in New York City. I'm working at Hearst. I have a job at Hearst where I'm managing social media for their properties. And I've been there for a couple of years at this point. And, you know, I'm enjoying it. But big but. I'm also just feeling sort of sad and sort of stuck. And it's winter time and February of 2012. And I got invited to a friend's birthday party. And so I show up at this birthday party, you know, you know how when you end up at a birthday party, sometimes there's people there that you never really meet again, but they're all sort of friends of friends and you just are kind of like bumping off each other. So I show up at the birthday party and I get sucked into a conversation with a person that I'd never met before and I never met again, but the conversation he and I had really sent my life on a new course. So he and I are chatting. He works in finance. I work in marketing and he is talking about his life and everything he is saying is like catnip to me. He is talking about how how he just got back from a cross-country conference that work sent him to. I have always thought bi-coastal travel was so glamorous. So I'm thinking, man, I wish my company would send me to a conference. He is name-dropping people in his field that 
I'd never heard of, but he obviously thought were impressive and was excited to be meeting with. And he was also working with his boss on a side project outside of work. Honestly, the term side hustle really didn't exist back then the way we know it now, but that's what he was describing. And I wanted all of those things. I wanted to be going to conferences, meeting people in my field, being pulled into interesting projects at work. And as I was talking to him, I was sort of struck by the idea that he wasn't necessarily smarter than I was. He just knew more people. And these people were passing him opportunities just by virtue of knowing each other. He just had a bigger community. And so it's Friday night at the party. I'm sort of thinking about this. Conversation ends all weekend. I'm just thinking, okay, if the secret to getting ahead is knowing more people, I just, I really need to know more people. But I'm living in a place where I didn't grow up. I'm working in an industry My parents aren't in. I didn't know a ton of people except for people I went to college with in New York. And so I sit down at my desk Monday morning and I get this idea that I'm going to send one email every morning from my desk. At the time, the idea was I would send it to a perfect stranger that's evolved, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I thought, okay, I can do it at my desk. My boss doesn't have to know. And I put on my calendar from 9.15 to 9.30 RO and started sending that email every morning. This is in 2012. I have never stopped. We are coming up on the 10-year anniversary in a couple of weeks. And sending one email to someone on the edge of my network every day has completely transformed my life. And I wanted to share that, which is why the book came out. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I I love it. And so in the book, you talk about different kinds of reach outs. So different types of people you might approach, different ways you might approach them. Break down some of that for us. What are the different types of reach outs and how do you characterize them? Sure. So I call reach outs ROs because if you put that on your calendar at work, nobody would really know what it stands for. It looks kind of mysterious. So the four types of ROs, also known as the four types of reach outs, are number one, the re-RO. That's reaching out to someone that you knew in the past or someone that you know currently, but not super well. Basically, the test there is, would they recognize your name in their inbox and be like, oh, yeah, hmm, Molly. Okay, yeah, let me open this. The next type of one is the follow-up RO. That's reaching out to someone that you've met recently or in passing in real life, whether that is in a Zoom meeting or at a party or you have that stack of business cards on your desk you've never done anything with. That's the follow-up RO. Then there's the borrowed connection RO. This is a people often think of this as a great way to reach out, and they're completely right. This is the friend of a friend or the mutual introduction. Hey, do you know blah, blah, blah? Let me connect you to, or asking someone, hey, I think you know this person. Could you connect us? And the last type of RO, which is often where people start in their networking journey, as I mentioned, this is where I thought I was starting was the cool RO. This is reaching out to someone that you have no direct connection, a perfect stranger. Oftentimes they are, you know, when we think, oh, who'd be the coolest person to reach out to? I think 95% of us think like, wow, it'd be awesome to get an email from Oprah. But the problem is Oprah's inbox is quite busy. She doesn't know my name. I don't think she knows yours, but I could be wrong. And so those cool ROs have a much lower response rate. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that later, but those are the four types. The re-RO, follow-up RO, borrowed connection and the cool RO. In a career that soars and for veteran listeners of Lead to Soar, they'll know that we like to say 
networking is working. So getting good at these reach outs and using that to build your strategic network is so important for the trajectory of your career and reaching your goals. I'm a huge believer in that. So let's get into another sort of piece of advice from the book. You talk about this idea of giving in a reach out. Could you explain that for our listeners? Because I know lots of young professionals, especially who think that they don't have anything to offer someone that they see as in a position of power. So help us sort of debunk that myth. This is my favorite myth to debunk. (laughs) And that is the myth that we don't have anything to offer someone that's ahead of us. And it's, I don't think it's even just young professionals. I'm not a young professional anymore. I'm in probably the middle of my career. But when I think about the people I'm reaching out to, they're often ahead of me in their journeys. They probably have more power, more social capital. And I often think, what the heck do I have to offer this person? They already seem like they know everyone. When you decide to do a reach out, you already sort of admire the other person. That's why you've selected them to network with. Um, So everybody, every single email that you send should have a gift in it because we are spreading joy in other people's inboxes. It's not about sending someone an email that says, hi, I'm Molly. Can you pass my resume along at your company? I'm sure we'll talk about timing and networking, but one of the reasons it's a daily practice is because we shouldn't just be reaching out when we need something from someone else. We should be building that community so we get those opportunities when they're passed to us. And the easiest, no-cost way to give someone a great gift is to give them a really specific compliment paired with a content recommendation. So what I mean by that is, let's say you want to reach out to your favorite author. She wrote a book on how to run effective meetings. If her book did well, which it probably did because you read it and liked it, she is getting a lot of emails that said, hey, I really liked your book. Thanks. So what you're going to do is you're going to stand out by giving her a really specific compliment that tells who you are and also shows that you've really been invested in her work. So you might say something like, I'm a junior engineer at Google. I found page 53 of your book super helpful when you gave this piece of advice. I put it into action at my company and it did XYZ. You've now told her who you are. You've told her that you've really read her content and that you enjoyed it. And you've given her a super specific compliment that nobody else could give her that's in your exact position. The other thing you're going to pair that compliment with is with a content recommendation. So this could be a podcast she might enjoy, an article, a TV show, even a quote that you just thought, hey, this person would probably really enjoy this. So after you give your compliment, you'd say, hey, I was reading XYZ or I came across this article and I thought of you. If you hadn't seen it yet, I think you would enjoy. This is a way to add value completely free. You're just finding stuff on the internet that you think that they would like. And it shows that you're not just sending out you know, spam emails to everyone. This is a really specific email that you've put some time into. But however, you haven't put too much time. One thing that's really important about reaching out is I don't think it should take more than 15 minutes of your day. Your first one will take longer. You'll be nervous. You'll be proofreading it 10 times. But I would love for everyone to get in rhythm where you can send these emails in under 15 minutes. Tons of templates in the book to make that happen. But main point, your email should be short enough that if you had to, you could read the whole thing over a voicemail. should be short enough they can read it and get on with their day. Great rule of thumb, being able to read it over a voicemail. I appreciate that. I'm Mel Butcher, and I want to talk to you about the Ascend Workshop. Ascend is a workshop I created for early career professionals who are ready to take the next steps in their career. The next step could be aiming for a promotion and salary raise, or it could be looking for the next step up in another organization. Together, we'll cover using emotional intelligence in the workplace, 
getting our communication on point, understanding mentorship and sponsorship and how to get it, and positioning ourselves for the next step. I'd love to see you inside the Ascend Workshop. Learn more under the Courses section inside A Career That Soars. Based on your research and experience, are there any common pitfalls that professionals make when they're doing reach outs? How can they avoid those? The first one is the complete over-reliance on emails to strangers. There's a lot of um, data in the book on like response rates. They have by far the lowest response rates in terms of percentages than any other type of email that you're doing. The highest response rate is friend of a friend, especially if you call out the friend's name in the subject line. So I'd love to see you leaning on your network more than sending cold ROs constantly. So let's say in an average week, you're sending five emails. One of those emails can be a cold RO going out to a total stranger, but the other four should be either people that are currently in your network, you want to pull in more, people that you used to know well, that you want to rekindle that relationship or that friend of a friend. Okay. So... We're going to kind of shift gears here in a moment, but are there any last sort of tips that you want to leave listeners with that you think are important for them to understand regarding reach outs? Yes, I do. (laughs) You know me. Of course I have. Just a a few more pieces of advice. You know, I think something, I think one of the reasons the reach out concept resonates with people is that it's just a couple of minutes every day to really build your network. And I would, if you are able to start reaching out and you're seeing a difference after a couple of days or weeks of reaching out, would love for you to think about what are other bigger goals you have that you could spend just a couple of minutes a day on to see longer term impact. So I'm thinking about things like you want to learn a new skill at work, or you want to dive deeper into something that you think would be important in your career. Right before this call, I was doing sort of the map on this. If you spend five minutes a day doing a deep dive into something in your profession you want to know more, at the end of the year, you'll spend 30 hours researching this thing that will put you in the class of probably experts in your specific job and maybe in your field about this thing. So if you're you're enjoying the idea of spending just a couple of minutes to build your network over the long term, think about other baby steps you could make in other parts of your career just to move things forward just a little bit, baby step after baby step. That's how everything happens. It's it's never you wake up and you have everything that you want. It's that you spent five minutes every day for millions of days and then it compounded. I love that. And I suspect that you took many baby steps before you got to this place you are now with your venture. So let's let's talk about that. Let's get into what you're working on that has you excited today. Tell us about Messy FM. Would love to tell you about Messy FM. And I also just want to say that I feel like I am very much at the beginning of my career journey. I am mid-career. I'm 35. So I've been working now for about 12 years. Messy's at a great spot. Been working on it for about four years. We have a wonderful team that supports us. But man, I feel like I'm at the bottom of the mountain and that is really exciting. There's a, there's many baby steps that I... There's many baby steps I have to take. Um, okay, so what does Messy FM do? We're a software company and internal communications leaders and functional leaders, managers, use our creation suite and our secure distribution platform to create audio to share just with their workplace. So we build on top of a company's single sign-on. So if you and I both work at the same company, we would log in to our intranet, click on the podcast tab, and we might see different podcasts based on our team, our manager, a location, a length of service. So typically we're not selling one internal podcast subscription into a company. We're selling many and different teams and leaders use them to talk to their workforce, 
We really feel like internal podcasting is at the intersection of employees, increased interest in consuming audio content outside of work, thinking about how can you really use remote internal communications to talk to people. And then this idea of workplace infotainment, which is there will always be a place for execution-based content, Slack messages, emails, what's happening right now. But there's also a big push for content that has a longer shelf life. So someone joins your organization today, they listen to a podcast, they get value, they join in six months and they listen. And because the podcast supports a bit more of evergreen internal priorities, they get just as much value. I I just love how your networking savvy contributed to this product that Messy offers. And also, it's, you know, as you're describing it, it makes me think about how at no other time, probably in our history, has something like this been more relevant as more people have gone remote and are, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my colleagues that I've worked with, they feel some level of disconnect. And I think this is one tool that we can use to just create that connectivity that people want in the workplace. So talk to us about the importance of internal networking and how an internal podcast can contribute to that. Absolutely. I also want to just dig in on the fact that we're on a podcast right now, there are definitely people, Mel, that listen to this podcast, hear your voice in their ears once a week, think that you two are great friends and you've never met them. And that's the power of audio. A really great podcast conversation feels like you're listening in to someone else chatting and bringing that into the workplace. A huge use case for us is executive visibility. So someone that might have dozens, hundreds, thousands of people that report into them, they're probably not having one-on-one conversations every single week. But being able to use voice, which conveys nuance, humor, some sarcasm, all things that are lost in text, it's a much more authentic way of communicating communicating. And the way that that plays into internal networking is I say this sort of as a joke, but when I say it on demo calls, people nod their head. It is very hard to lay off the person that's running the internal podcast. Their voice is in the workplace's ears, you know, weekly, biweekly, whatever your schedule is. And it's, if you want to raise your hand and run the internal podcast at your company, you now have the world's best excuse, in quotes, excuse to reach out to other people in other departments, departments that maybe you have an interest in working in, to reach out to much higher leaders, to get to know people that are newer to the organization. You know, everyone is flattered to be asked to be on a podcast to to say, oh, this person really wants to hear what I have to say. And because the podcast is internal only, you don't have to worry about some of the things with public facing shows, which would be how would competitors or customers think about this content. It's only for your organization's ears. I love that what you just said a moment ago about having an excuse because I think a lot of times in networking, internal or external, you're, you feel like you need that, right? You need a reason to reach out to someone and something like a podcast gives you the, the perfect reason to do that. So I just, I just love that. Finding ways to have a reason to reach out to someone that's not asking them immediately for a favor, right? It's creating the, the connection point, doing something together that matters to both of you. So love it. Okay. What type and size organization is an ideal client for Messy FM? Who does it work really well for? 
You know, the vast majority of our clients are Fortune 1000. We Security is our most important feature in terms of being able to make sure that the content is really secure. Most of our clients are publicly traded. We also work with a lot of university clients. So thinking about university workplaces where you have a lot of remote or hybrid workers, maybe people are in different schedules, being able to do internal comms that cross different time zones. But really, any organization that's already thinking about internal comms, whether that's as casual as you have an all-hands Slack channel or you have a Zoom that's you know once a month that you're just putting up on an intranet, anyone that is thinking about internal comms and thinking about how to meet employees where they are, I mean, it couldn't be... <laughs> couldn't be more biased, but I think it's worth at least exploring or asking a couple of employees. The other sort of like little secret is that most employees are already listening to podcasts on work time. It's just a question of, is the podcast the latest true crime while they're entering numbers into Excel? Or is it their head of marketing talking about stakeholders and what does it mean to think about our stakeholders in all aspects of our organization? Is the is the audio content drawing them a little closer to work or is it where was the body buried? Not that I don't love true crime, but you know, there, there's a balance here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've touched on a couple of things like the visibility of executives and just sort of general connectivity, but what are some other goals your clients have when they implement internal podcasting? Big one for us is HR teams thinking about how to do employee recognition in a way that is can be done in a remote environment, can be somewhat low cost for the company, but makes employees feel really special. So we have lots of clients that either have systems of nomination where your boss or your peers can nominate you to be on, you know, they have different names, but they're essentially like an employee of the week or employee of the month type podcast. You come on, you talk about your work. A couple of goals here. First is employee recognition, but the second is it's great cross-team collaboration. People hear what other departments or other teams are working on, make somebody feel really special. And then a really sort of amazing use case for us that has just taken off in the last 12 months would be DE&I teams, really thinking about how can we have important, impactful, sensitive conversations about things happening in our culture, either internal or external. And some of that might be lost in text and not everybody feels comfortable being on video, especially recorded video. So being able to have some of those conversations when someone knows that their face isn't necessarily being shown, sometimes it leads to more vulnerability when you're having those really important internal conversations. Okay. So talk to us about the the logistics of this. When you sign on a new client, what are sort of the suite of services that Messy FM provides for clients? Because I'm thinking like, okay, does this include things like editing too? Or is this mostly like hosting and interfacing? What's it look like? You know, what a great question. I let me give you a great answer. We do it all. And one of the one of the main things that we really are very passionate about is that we don't think audio or podcasts should be a gatekeeped content. We think that everybody should be able to create really professional audio in minutes as part of their job. And we're passionate about not having to have outside bottlenecks, which means that anyone inside your organization can use our creation suite, which is editing software. You can record, edit, bring in Zooms or team meetings, cut out dead noise, fade in, fade out. We have an exclusive music library, all of those things. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I really care about 
protecting people's time. So 15 minutes or less to get the podcast out the door. Typically, the only people using our creation suite are the actual hosts of the podcast. So internal comms leaders, functional managers, when they hit publish, then their employees enjoy the podcast on their internet. And that's via custom integration that we have built for them on top of what's considered an IAM. It's an identity access management system, which is typically like Okta or G Suite. We love working with both creators and also IT teams to make sure that the internal podcasts go across the organization in a way that is custom for every organization's unique needs. That is amazing. That sounds so cool. Okay. I want to invite you now to just be unabashedly boastful and tell us about an outcome your platform has created for a client that you're really proud of. Something that always makes me sort of soar with pride is when people get into internal podcasts because their boss tells them they need to do it or because they feel like they have to. And then I notice over time that they're either publishing more and more episodes. I just noticed recently that we have a CTO of a large company that was sort of directed to start talking to employees more. And I did a creator training with him. You get creator trainings with Messy because we don't want you to feel alone. So we're here to help. So I had done a creator training with him and his assistant, and he was sort of lukewarm on the whole idea. And over the last six months, his team and him have just flourished in this internal podcasting environment. And he, I asked for a testimonial from him and he said, I am surprised at how much closer my team feels to me. And now this podcast, which I think he was neutral on. Now he comes out twice a week. It's a 10 minute show. It's a microcast. Employees submit questions to him. We don't listen to it because that content is internal to them. But I know from talking to him that it's a mix of questions about the industry they're in, their company, and also questions about him, just getting to know him better. And it's just exciting when you see someone really lean into a new content. I'm so passionate about people becoming creators. I think that that's a really shortcut to happiness is to be a creator. And especially if your job isn't that creative and you get to just spend an hour a week doing an internal podcast, comes out twice a month. What a great way for you to network, for you to feel creative at work, for you to learn some really interesting skills about creating content in the audio space, which is only going to grow over the next 10 years. It's just, it's a fun place to be in. I love it. For our listeners, maybe they're interested in this for their company. Where should they go and what should they do to take an initial step to check out Messy FM? Yeah, they can go to our website, www.messy.fm. You can see all of our content over there. You can book a demo, anything that you would want to know in terms of the first step is on the website. You also are always welcome to email me, Molly, M-O-L-L-Y at messy, M-E-S-S-Y dot F-M. Either I will give you a demo or I will hook you up with our team who will give you a demo. And then people always wonder, so I'm just going to answer this question. Why is it called messy? And the answer is because I really think audio is the most authentic way you can communicate right now. And, you know, for a long time, there was a push that everything we had to do internal had to be completely buttoned up. If you sent out an email and there was a typo in it, or, you know, you did a Slack message and then you did the link wrong, it was a whole problem. I really think that employees are craving authentic communications at work. And it's okay if things are a tiny bit messy and your dog barks once in the background, or you say something and you say, um, and you're like, well, I'm just going to leave it in because my employees should know my team should feel comfortable with 
with having listening in on a conversation with me the same way they listen in on this podcast and feel like they're friends with you and your co-host, then they should also do the same thing when they're listening to audio at work. So you're always welcome to reach out there. And then of course, me personally, I am very active on Instagram, MS Molly back, always working on, you know, fun little, fun little side projects, showing off my kids, all that stuff on the internet. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Molly, it's been a real pleasure to have you on Lead to Soar. Thank you so much for sharing with us these tactics about reaching out and also all of the wonderful things that y'all are doing at Messy FM. This is so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. I'm Mel Butcher, and I want to talk to you about Project Best Self. Project Best Self is a goal-setting and habit-formation-intensive Together, we'll get clarity on our goals, set up the systems we need to be successful in those goals, and provide support to one another in our cohort in this intensive. I'd love to see you inside Project Best Self. Come join us. Learn more under the courses section inside A Career That Soars. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com. 